Hey guys, welcome back to RJ Rewind, the show where we hit rewind our alumni's journey and break it down. No two journeys are ever the same, and every journey deserves to be heard. We are your hosts, Andy Tran. And Chantal Wong. All right, how have you been? I have been, honestly, very, very chaotic week. Um, I yeah. heard. I mean, it, it kind of goes into... Our first update. Yeah, yeah so sure. I think we said, this, we said this last week, welcome back, but now <sighs> we can officially say welcome back htm onto mm-hmm. campus mm-hmm. yeah i love that it kind of happened after reading me because it was a good like segue but at the mm-hmm. same time i know a lot of students have midterms and assignments and everything so it's been a very chaotic week uh thus far but i'm happy to see students back on campus um we have so many people around trsm to navigate people it's actually crazy so yeah, yeah how how is campus during the covid season <laughs> the first it's actually first like time. quite normal like it's very normal to what school used to look like just with masks and filters everywhere um mm-hmm. i heard that RU dining is also open again yes RU dining is open again so in trsm commons they have now opened up RU dining i believe you probably just have to check for proof of vax as we are recording this but that may change mm-hmm. over time i have no idea um but yeah RU dining is open again i know some of our faculty went on tuesday when it was their opening day yeah. well, it was nice to hear that everything is pretty much back to normal we say back to normal but i don't think normal is a thing that we're ever going to see again i think everyone's social battery is also running on an all-time high because it's like you Mm -hmm. walk into the school and you get asked like five questions yeah minimum so yeah yeah. and for the uh fourth years and the seniors for this year it's nice that they can finish off their time at ryerson in person on campus yeah i mean i think for myself but you know. But it's fine. You're always welcome <laughs> on campus. You just need no one yeah. access. <laughs> Still waiting on that convocation, but another conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, as well, um, RHTSS just finished or just completed their convention this year. Mm-hmm. So their convention was February 18th to 20th. They did it virtually. I attended. It was great. We had actually a couple of our guests on the podcast were there as networkers or speakers as networkers yeah i saw yeah yeah zara was there um our guest today is was also there um yeah there was a lot of people floating around but it was a really good uh convention that was done online they sent out delegate boxes yeah it was a good time yeah awesome and hopefully next year this convention can be in person finally well yeah considering the last one was the one you organized in 2020 yeah Yeah, they have a lot to live up to and they have a lot of expectations being the first event or the first conference back in person so good yeah, luck next I mean, year <laughs> first one in three years so it should be interesting for sure i know you said you didn't want to bring attention to it <laughs> but chantelle has been officially voted in as president of trss for next year thank you i did mention to andy we didn't have to mention it no um you deserve yeah. your flowers because this is the first time in a while that the president is an htm student yeah so actually talking about this we we speak a lot about acronyms in our uh, yeah. podcast too so trss is the ted Rogers student society it basically represents all the students um at our school so all thirteen thousand because there's a lot of us um but yeah it's exciting the last time there was an htm president it was uh from the dmz um so that was the first ever htm president and pretty much the last one until me 
Um, yeah, and I'm the first ever female HGM president. So that's like and there you kind go. of exciting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Rick, we're so excited for you. Thank you. you. Know. I mean, I'm very excited. Um, maybe not this particular week because there's so much going on, <laughs> but I am excited to be back on campus and I'm excited for next year, I would say, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because next year, you know, you have pretty much the keys to the building. You get to run it. <laughs> oh, that's not mildly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get back into uh, what's in the news. So the first story that I have, um, yes. I picked it just because it ties into our guest in this episode. And it's just yes, yeah. a way for me to break to you that I have a new job with MLSC, Mule Sports Entertainment. <laughs> Go, Andy. Um, if you're a fan of this person, you would know that Casey Musgraves abruptly canceled her show due to inclement weather on February 25th. So this caused a big stir just because this was her only Toronto date on the tour. It was already rescheduled once. This was the makeup date. Artists cancel shows, you know, it's, it's just part of the business. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. things are out of your control. But I think over here in this situation, fans were upset that the show was canceled so close to doors legally i don't think casey did anything wrong casey and her team for canceling this story i think it just brings up you know the topic of like doing what's legal and doing what's ethical i would say just um, because I mean... canceling so last minute because this is her only toronto date a lot of people flew in i think the question poses like is canceling the show and issuing a refund just enough or should they you know like do once go one step further and you know reimburse flights or reimburse um hotel stays what are your mm -hmm. thoughts i mean i think in this current climate um a lot of things have been not within our control and i think that's like that can be said technically with any like live events or entertainment that happened even before covid um but like the weather like the fact that there have been a lot of road blockages due to current mm -hmm. events happening i had probably like four or five concerts scheduled last semester and i think i only went to one because it is nearly impossible for some artists to get into canada right now Mm -hmm. it's like there's even more factors to consider now than there was before and there was already so many before and especially like I think the live events and concerts world like as much as I would love for things to be like logically like reimbursed and all of that and I do agree it's it's unfortunate that it was canceled so close to opening but at the same time I'm also like in the events industry it's it's so hard like it's so hard to predict yeah. when you should call it yeah, and I think artists should give fans a break and the fans should also give their artists a break mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm. in this current in these current conditions just because sometimes things are out of the artist's control. I think what really upset the fans was that because when they announced or put out that statement, there it was sunny outside. Mm. You know, but during that day in the morning, it was like heavily snowing and you know like they're crossing the border so like the weather in the states was probably even worse than what it was here in the morning so mm -hmm. yeah a lot of factors play into this yeah honestly as much as i would love to be a concert tour manager i also feel like i might lose some of the years <laughs> off of my life <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i mean it looks it sounds like fun and i would love to do it so if anyone listening out there is looking for a concert intern let me know um but yeah. I think there's just so many elements, especially for anything in particular with live events where there's like rigging and talent and like 10,000 people. All right. So uh, what news story do you have this week, Chantel? 
Um, so mine, probably not as much up for a debate type of thing, but Greece is officially opening up to tourism, so like international tourists and everything, starting May 1st, which is kind of exciting because that was yesterday. The article we were reading said that even though a lot of the Mediterranean countries were closed in 2020, Greece was still open and because of that they've had a very large number of tourism revenue and visitors and everything. Um, so it's kind of just nice to see that stuff is opening back up again and even in Ontario restrictions are lifting. I went back to school for the first time in two years so yeah. it's like we're almost there. Like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's nice to see that like things are slowly picking up we can safely enjoy concerts. We can safely um, travel. Yeah, um, I think it's been really nice because especially in the summer, people go outdoors. And I feel like we saw last year, like our cases decreased and it felt as close to normal as we've been. Yeah. And like we've missed out on so many opportunities in the mm -hmm. last two years. So I think it's just time, you know, get mm -hmm. out there, grab that brass ring and let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Speaking of grabbing the brass ring. Our next guest on this episode is Sandra Bawa. She worked for uh, Live Nation for a little bit. That was one of her dream jobs. She set her sights on working for Live Nation when she started at Ryerson. And it's nice to see that she finally achieved that goal. And she's and moved on to a lot of other things in the events industry as well. And she's someone I think is just really interesting to listen to because she's had a very similar university experience to me as well. So for any students listening out there, that might be an interesting perspective for you. Yeah. She was um, heavily involved with TRSS, something dear to your heart. Um, she was <laughs> yeah. chair of the Ted Rogers Management Conference in 2018. Mm -hmm. For a while, she was on the RHA committee alongside us. Yeah, so without further ado, let's get right into it. We're about to hit rewind with Sandra Bawa. After taking a year off from her initial undergraduate stint, Sandra Bawa had to do some self-reflection on what she saw for her future self. After digging deeper into her interest for live events and setting a goal for herself to one day work for Live Nation, Sandra opted to switch over to HTM in 2014, officially starting her HTM journey. At Ryerson, Sandra left a lasting impression on not just HTM, but on the entire Ted Rogers School of Management, taking on high-profile roles on the Ted Rogers Student Society, becoming chair of the Ted Rogers Management Conference in 2018, and contributing to the development of the new Business of Live Events course during her senior year. Outside of school ventures, Sandra's first job in the industry was a reservations agent at the Hazleton Hotel which she cites as a foundation that ultimately landed her positions at Live Nation and the Toronto International Film Festival. In 2019, Sandra reached her ultimate goal of working for Live Nation, where she worked in the partnership and marketing department to foster and grow existing and new corporate partnerships. With COVID greatly restricting the live event and concert sector, Sandra ultimately decided to make the jump to TIFF early this year, where she is currently a project manager for the creative services department. Hear her journey and more as we hit rewind with Sandra Bawa. All right, everyone, please welcome onto RHAA Rewind, Sandra Bawa. Hi. Hey, Sandra. Hey, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. How you been? Thank you so much for um, being on the show with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Really excited. I've been uh, listening to the past episode, so kind of trippy to be on one, but excited. Oh. Well, that's nice to hear. All right, well, let's get right into it. Um, so we asked every guest at the beginning, uh, why did you study hospitality and why did you decide to do at Ryerson? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely always had an interest in 
live events and live entertainment, but I wanted to go to university just to get the kind of theoretical and like studying background, but then also hopefully get like a practical sense of it. Um, and I'd been in another program previously for like a year and a bit, didn't like it, and then took the rest of like what would have been my second year, um, took it off to just research schools and whatnot. And so came across Ryerson um, having the hospitality and tourism program. And although like, you know, I didn't necessarily want the traditional hospitality and tourism um, career, I love that within like the third and the fourth year, the program had um, courses that focused on event management. And so that was kind of an opportunity I saw to, to you know, get the theoretical and then also get the practical. Um, so I definitely chose that Ryerson for that reason, um, as well as like, you know, being a Ted Rogers, especially you're downtown, you're in the core, someone who didn't grow up in Toronto or the GTA, like you see Toronto for like Dundas Square and you get really excited. And then the prospect you find out like, oh, you're actually going to school, like steps from Dundas Square and your school is connected to the Eden Center. Like it's just such a draw and you're like, okay, I would absolutely love to study here. So um, I think, yeah, just like, you know, having the, the kind of um, coursework that I was interested in and then just the location just couldn't beat that combination and wanting to go to Ryerson and be in hospitality and tourism for that for that reason. It's so funny that you specifically mentioned like in third year you get to take um, these event management courses because one I'm in that course right now mm-hmm. and two when I was researching into universities as well I first of all never thought I was going to get a commerce degree yeah um, but the whole reason I went into this program is because I saw courses like that in the upper years and that's why I ended up going with um, the HTM program at Ryerson so yeah, no, that was the draw for sure. Cause I, I definitely never saw myself like working in hotels or in restaurants, which, you mm-hmm. know, no knock to them, but um, it was just kind of cool to see that, okay, yeah, that might be the focus and that might be the foundation within the first and the second year. And you still get your kind of um, commerce background, but then to be able to like almost feel like you were specializing mm-hmm. in your last um, couple of years, that was like the the biggest thing for me. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down to stick it out. I actually do like, you know, hospitality as um, an industry like you know, I love going out to eat. I love staying at hotels. So how how bad could it be to you know study those for um, you know a year or two and then get to get to like the meat of things and what I really wanted to look into? So definitely mm-hmm. worth it for me. Um, you said that your interest in live events and the event world like sparked your interest in studying hospitality, and it does show with the extracurriculars that you did take on at Ryerson, because yeah. like a lot of people do like. Um, take part in student groups but like you were like shooting for the stars because <laughs> um, you were part of TRMC the Ted mm-hmm. Rogers Manager Conference for all four years mm-hmm. um, you were also on the Ted Rogers Student Society as the director of HTM um, and one time you were doing both at the same time yeah on TRMC and TRSS you were in really high profile roles director and chair yeah so how did you um, balance both of those while at school yeah I will say um some of my grades definitely did suffer because of that. Like, I'll be completely honest. And if I were to do it again, I, I don't know if I would be able to do as many student groups. So I, I definitely got involved in student groups a lot more heavily than um, most people would expect, just because it was my second time around with the program. And I mean, looking back on it now, it's really funny to think, but I was so hung up on the fact that um, like, I felt like I was two years behind my friends when I gra- like who had graduated high school with me. Um, just, you know, being in one program and then leaving within my second year and taking that full year off. 
um, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I'm, I'm going to graduate when I'm 24 now versus when I'm 22. Like I thought it was the end of the world. Um, but I did want to make sure I was getting the most out of the experience. So um, I ended up doing, yeah, TRMC. Actually, funny enough, I really hadn't, hadn't known what student groups I wanted to get involved with. I thought like, okay, maybe after the end of my first year, see how things go, see what maybe interested me. Um, but I think it would have been like January of my first year. Um, through, I, I hope, I hope TRSS still does it, but like there's funding for um, students to go to different conferences. Yes, um, there is. <laughs> exactly. So I would have gone to um, the University of Alberta's conference, the new conference. Um, the, it's like a women's only conference. It was at the time. Um, and that was like, yeah, that was my first exposure to really like student group life um, and organizing kind of big events. And I was lucky enough to go with um, four other students who were heavily involved in student groups um, at the time and they kind of just introduced me to it. They're like, well, yeah, like this is, you know, we all went to Alberta together and we experienced this, but like, you know, we, we do something like similar to this um, in, in the form of TRMC. And so I was introduced to that while I was at the new conference. I actually like um, all the, the other four women that I went with, they were like, you have to apply for, to be an ambassador. So they actually all helped me apply to be an ambassador. They're like the, I think the weekend we were there was the last weekend you could apply. So I did that while I was there. And then um, when I came back, found out, you know, um, got to be an ambassador. And that was kind of my first entry into it. Um, but it was, I definitely did student groups as a means to like expand my network and just meet as many people as possible. I think one thing that's kind of, um, unique to hospitality and tourism as a program is the fact that it's a smaller group of students. And so it, it's tough sometimes because, you know, especially add to the part that Ryerson is a commuter school. Sometimes people are on campus just for classes and they're going back home. Um, fortunately, I lived in the downtown core, but at the same time, it was a little bit harder to kind of connect with uh, people within my program because like, yeah, oftentimes people were commuting and they were just there in and out for school. So I guess it kind of blossomed from, from TRMC and then um, I would have done Frosh. I would have been on the events committee, I think, in my second year for TRSS um, and did Frosh. I met a lot of people through that, um, but really was like very focused on TRMC, but also just like by way of like just doing Frosh my second year, I stayed on and did some TRSS stuff. But um, yeah, like I said at the beginning, my, my grades definitely might have suffered a little bit because of all the involvement, um, but it really did like open a lot a lot of opportunities and like I've met some phenomenal people through that for sure. Wow this is so interesting hearing you say this because it's like you have you have lived exactly what I'm almost going through right now so I'm going into my oh god third year of yeah. being on TRSS um well I'm in my second year of being on TRSS now mm -hmm. I'm going into my third year for next year. Um, Congrats because you, you. you have just been elected I guess yeah. Yes um I was just elected as the president for TRSS next year. No way yeah so yeah, honestly, <laughs> that's huge yeah i'm i'm really excited i, I mean it's crazy about it. like <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's crazy hearing you talk about it because um i do agree with you like i think when you're in the htm program you quickly realize how small it is mm -hmm. and i love how like strong that community can be and i have my day ones in htm yeah, that absolutely. you know are always going to be there for me and have supported me in every step of everything I've done outside of HTM. So hearing you kind of talk about your involvement and your jumping to TRMC and TRSS for like the networking aspect and like I'm such a big advocate for talking more about our program as well because mm -hmm. I think it is one of the smaller ones. Um, yeah. It's just it's refreshing to see. <laughs> yeah and I mean like looking back on it I do wish 
I think I like hesitated to get involved directly with like, I'm going to say HTMS, I'm going to date myself, but I guess now it's RHTSS, but um, with the student society for our program proper, honestly, I, I think it was just because I felt like I knew I didn't really want to go the traditional route. So I didn't Mm -hmm. really want to take the place of someone who maybe wanted to be able to network with like, you know, GMs of hotels and GMs of, of, of restaurants. I would have rather, like, I was rather, I was more willing to be um, like a participant and, you know, go to the events that RHGSS was putting on as opposed to taking a spot. I definitely think like RHGSS, like, and HGM as a program, like there is such a solid foundation because we are a small group of, of, of students. You go through pretty much your four or five, how many other, how many years you do with pretty much the same people, yeah. at least in your first and second year in every single class. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to know everyone's personalities and, and work styles really quickly. You start to form like who your core group of people is you're going to work with on, on group projects. And that kind of makes your friends for life. I'll be honest. That's who I um, still talk to all my like people that I would have worked with in my first year, like on projects. Those were my girls throughout all of um, the program. Cause we just always knew like, Oh, okay. We all have this in our calendar. See you in this class. Like, see you at eight o'clock for you know finance like it's it's bound to happen you're gonna see all the same people so um i think that was one thing like i was like let me kind of expand the network outside and and that's why i got involved into like the more general um trsm student groups mm-hmm. yeah and i'll tell you say that um you joined just for the experience aspect of it as well because um going to university yes the grades are important mm-hmm. you know the studying is important profs you're listening grades are important <laughs> very important very, very important. important but people tend to forget about the experience side yeah. you know, the networking side you know four years go by really quick and so if you quick. don't if you don't you know it broaden your horizons yeah no network. I, I agree that's definitely something that i'm like huge on advocating for is like university number one like i mean people come from different backgrounds but like for some people university isn't just like it's expensive. Well, like you, you might leave university with debt. You might still be paying it off. Like I'm still very much paying off my OSAP loans, no regrets about it. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I definitely wanted to feel like I was coming out of it with more than just like a piece of paper. Like I have the knowledge from my classes and like even the network of like professors that I can reach out to if I have questions about things or need references, like that's there. But then it's also like the experiences, like it's tough. I think that's the one thing like is a criticism and also a benefit to Ryerson is that it is very much known as a commuter school, but because we're in the downtown core, there's a lot of activity and it just makes it very lively, but it's different than being at like a McMaster or uh, even a U of T up the road, like having kind of like a, I guess like a traditional campus sense and having to live nearby campus and like participate in student life by just means of like living on campus, you know, eating on campus, um, having floor mates, things like that. Those things like come to a lot of people at other schools, whereas it might necessarily, might not necessarily come to us. Um, so I think we, what we do really great, our strength is I think student groups above everything. Like I, I have good friends that went to U of T or went to McGill and like, they'll, they look at our student groups and they're kind of like, well, at least my experience are like, oh my gosh, like that's not something I knew that schools were doing or even had the ability to kind of like have that reach. I think like that's something we very much excel in because we kind of have that commuter school reputation. It's like, okay, if you really want to expand your experience there's the ability to do so through like so many student groups and every faculty um and i think that makes the whole university experience a little bit more worthwhile aside from the stress from classes no offense teachers but you know they know there's (laughs) there's stress that comes along with school and 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 it's nice to be able to um 
just be able to even like de-stress. Mm-hmm. Hey, and like I said, your grades may have suffered, but hey, you still got that degree. It's, it's yes, still exactly. hanging on your wall, you know? Please get the degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, you were chair for um, TRMC in 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, walk us through what was it like planning such a high profile conference yeah. um, while as a student and um, I guess there was pressure because TRMC is like the signature event for Ted Rogers School of Management. I guess just because so, we have the, the Ted Rogers in yeah. there, right? Yeah. So like that, like, you know, the school's rep is kind of on the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, no, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, TRMC, I think one thing that really like benefited me with TRMC is just because I was part of it every year I was in school and I had um, evolving and like gained responsibility every year I went. So my first year, obviously being an ambassador, um, I think that was like the first year they ever had ambassadors. I could be wrong, but I feel like we were like the first year. Um, and we come in pretty late into the conference planning, like a month before the conference plans, um, like the conference is supposed to start. So for the most part, a lot of things are laid out and you get kind of an overview of what's going to be happening. Um, and then my second year, I was the ambassador manager. So I came on like a couple months earlier than the ambassadors would have, um, and got to hire them and, and kind of like get them prepped for the conference. Um, third year I was the VP events. So I would have been on the conference team, like right when everything kind of started, um, as soon as like the chair hired everyone for the exec team, and then had all that experience built up to go into my fourth year and be chair and kind of understand the processes and, Obviously, along the way, you know, having friends and, and knowing the past chairs and like the chair before me, Michelle Park, she's like one of my my best friends still to this day. Um, but like just having that knowledge from prior years really helped and knowing how much of my time and effort had to be put into TRMC was um, what helped me kind of do it. But it was by no means an easy task. It's something that took up pretty much all of my school year. We we would have started, like I would have became chair, I guess like May of the year prior. Um, and then beginning of summer, you know, hiring the exec team, um, working through summer, meeting once a week in person, um, going into the school year, adding more people to the team. Um, and then obviously the conference comes around in March. So, you know, it comes around early March and then the next month is exams for the end of the second semester. So it's it's the whole school year, 100%. Um, it's nonstop, but it's very much, it was very rewarding. That was the, I think, thing that pushed me to keep doing TRMC year over year was that um, there was an end date kind of knowing the goal was, um, you know, the conference date. The conference date always stays about the same. Conference date is always like a week before my birthday. So it was kind of like a fun extra birthday party, to be honest, because I don't really love my birthday too much. Um, but it was like nice that I got to celebrate with people that I've been working with throughout the year. Um, but definitely an experience, definitely something that helps you to work. I mean, I think HTM as a program is very good at that, but like collaborative work, group work, you can't really escape it in HTM. You're going to do it. Um, but I think it just makes sense for the industry. Number one, that we, um, are kind of like going into through HTM. Uh, you're always going to be working in groups. You're always going to be working with other people. So prepared you, but I think TRMC on top of that added to it because it wasn't us putting together schoolwork. It was more us putting together something that was a reflection of our work. So like, not to say that schoolwork isn't a reflection of your work, but you're you're trying to make sure you're getting a grade. You're trying to make sure certain elements are there. Whereas with TRMC, we had a lot more freedom um, 
to, you know, who, what speakers we were bringing in, what venues we were going to use, how we were going to decorate the place. Like it becomes a reflection of everyone's personalities and inputs. And so that was something to be like proud of and, and, and show off. And I think that was like my driving force with wanting to be involved um, all four years. And then finally my last year as chair. So on top of juggling school and the student groups at Ryerson, um, like any student, we have to work. So um, one of your first jobs in the industry, um, ironically, is at the Hazleton Hotel. <laughs> yeah, I, actually very ironic, I won't lie to you. I mean, so for a little bit of background, like with the Hospitality and Tourism Management Program, um, I, I don't think it's changed, but I, I think it was before my time, like the year before it was 1,600 work hours. Um, it became 1,000 work hours before you graduate. So mm -hmm. that's something that we added um, that's on top of our coursework. We have to work in the industry and they kind of give you like a list of like what could work, but definitely have to work within hospitality and tourism. Um, so for me, I like never worked in, I worked in like fast food for my first job at A&W, but I, after doing that, I was like, I could never do a restaurant. So I was like, restaurants are out. What other job could I do part-time? Um, and I said like, oh, I love hotels. Like I would really enjoy hotels. So I just applied to a bunch of hotels in my first year. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Hazleton worked out. They, they needed somebody part-time with reservation, um, to work within reservations. Um, and yeah, I worked there for, ended up being three years and still very close mm -hmm. with a lot of people that I work with there. But, um, that was a great experience just in terms of, again, um, teamwork and understanding how to collaborate with people across like different departments, which is something I still do in my work day to day now. But, um, yeah, also had to work, which was um, tough. Like, I will say I was really glad that I stayed where I was for so many years um, at the hotel while I was in school because they were super flexible and understanding of like my work schedule. So during the day or sorry, school schedule. So um, during the weekdays, I would only work in the evenings. I would start at like maybe five or something like that and work till like nine or 10. And then I would get to work on the weekends. Um, and I mean, I shouldn't be saying this, but if it was quiet, like I'd be doing homework down there. It would be, I, I worked in an office in the basement and like, if it was a weekend, there was no one else there with us. And I had a sliding door. I could play music. I could just like relax and read like readings. Um, so that was really good and flexible. And then I kind of had an agreement with my manager and my director, like, listen, this conference happens every year. They always knew like, TRMC is coming. I need to get like the Wednesday before TRMC off and then the Sunday up till the end of the Sunday um, off. Um, but yeah, juggling work, juggling school work, juggling student group work. Um, yeah, really takes a lot out of you, but um, you know, you come out stronger for it. But yeah, I worked at a hotel. Yeah, first, first, uh, first job in the industry. Yeah, awesome. Um, and from there, uh, you jumped off and you, um, excelled in many various roles in other different companies. Uh, one of them that I find real interesting is at the DMZ. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so tell us a little bit about that and what the DMZ stands for and what they do. Yeah. So the DMZ is one of, um, it's part of Ryerson's Zone Learning Network. So we have, I think it's, well, I don't work there anymore, but I, mean, I think it's about like nine or 10 zones within um, Ryerson that have different specialities. So like the fashion zone, obviously for fashion entrepreneurs, um, the science innovation zone, I might be getting it wrong, but of course um, for anybody, any students with entrepreneurial um, kind of prospects in science. And so the DMZ is the tech incubator. So um, anything, any kind of um, entrepreneurial adventure a student might have um, and then also the DMZ is kind of special is that they're a zone that also brings in um, uh, outside um, 
entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs that might've already established their companies and they wanna grow it in the accelerator. Um, it's not just for students, but there is very much a student arm of it. Um, so that was where I worked. And funny enough, I mean, I don't even know how to get into it, but yeah, like I started at the DMZ because I actually worked there as a student very like, not briefly actually for like a year or two maybe, but um, this really kind of falls into like from TRSM, sorry, from the Ted Rogers School of Management. I think I did a work study at the school for a bit. And then someone who worked at the school ended up moving over to the DMZ. And so they asked me if I wanted to come over and help kind of between school, between whatnot. Again, like, I don't know how, I, like looking back, this is insane, but like, I don't know how I would have done all that. But um, yeah, I, I, once I graduated, um, I was still very much looking to work in live events and entertainment, but an opportunity hadn't come um, that had worked out by the time I graduated. So I stayed at the DMZ and started working full time and was very lucky to be able to actually be um, taking care of like events and programming in the space and kind of like facility management. So pretty, pretty similar to what you'd be doing in like a kind of like GM role at a hotel similarly, but you know, without people like sleeping at the DMZ, um, uh, but just managing the space and managing the events that went through there. And I, I did that for a year, but it was really cool to see um, just like the resources that Ryerson puts into students innovating. And we actually had um, some some people that I was in, like in the program with and I was friends with um, who launched a kind of Airbnb similar kind of um, venture at the DMZ while they were there. And so um, it was just good to see that they were supporting students of all um, faculties, all programs to kind of push and see what they could create outside of their schoolwork. So, yeah. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So um, at the DMZ, you spent two years there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you moved on to Live Nation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you were there for um, from 2019 to 2022. Mm -hmm. So uh, you moved on recently to uh, another big venture, which we'll get into later. Sure. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about your time at uh, Live Nation and what we were doing there. Yeah. So Live Nation was kind of like a really big goal for me. Um, it was kind of a, a company that I'd been eyeing since I started at Ryerson, to be honest. Um, while I was in my previous program, I met someone whose um, dad actually worked there. And so I got to know her really well. And I like asked for my, what does your dad do? Like, this is amazing. Um, and she told me a little bit about it. And I was like, okay, this is where I want to work. So um, I said, like, let me go to Ryerson. Let me get my background. I'm like, um, event management and see how I can make my way into Live Nation. And to be honest, even when I graduated, I wasn't sure what route I was going to take because I definitely didn't have like the artist facing experience in the sense of like working with artist teams, working with agents. Um, and I didn't have like um, a marketing background and like music marketing or anything like that. But um, I tried my hand and actually kind of worked out really well that they were looking to hire someone for their brand partnerships team to work on. At the time, there was a, a deal with Mercedes Benz Canada and they had like their music strategy was being able to offer all Mercedes Benz owners in Canada um, access to all concerts, all Live Nation concerts in Canada. So they did that through the form of like a concierge program. And so it kind of worked similarly to the work I did at um, the Hazleton Hotel, working reservations and kind of being like the first point of contact and giving them, um, especially for that hotel being like a luxury hotel, giving like a certain level and quality of service. Um, they were looking for someone to kind of own that on the Mercedes side. Um, 
and give them kind of like white glove treatment, you know, pick up the phone, answer the emails and say like, you know, thank you for being a Mercedes-Benz customer. We, you know, as a part of that perk, um, as a part of that elite group kind of thing, you have access to all the shows in, in, in Canada. So I came on to do that initially um, and would have joined the brand partnership team. Um, and so I did that for, not for a bit, but I did that for like half a year. I came in in June. I um, I came in right after the Raptors won. So my last day at work at the DMZ was the day after the Raptors um, won. So the third, like they went like a, on a Thursday night. So I was out all night the <laughs> night before. I went home at 6 a.m. and I crawled my way out of bed. I got to work for my last day on the Friday. Um, and then the first day I was supposed to start at Live Nation. So the next Monday was the Raptors parade. And so I, I was told, don't come in. Like, nobody's in the office. Um, we'll start your first day on Tuesday. So um, I started, yeah, mid-June. City was very much in a high. It was, you know, the last summer before COVID. So, um, you know, everything was full force, concerts, whatnot. And so I did that. And then um, our team, like, started to grow in, in the need. And so I started to... Um, actually oversee a little bit more in terms of like our ticket programs with some of our, our brand partners. Um, and so that grew into a little bit more and more responsibility. And then um, COVID hit. <laughs> so, um, you know, started June, 2019. And then by March, 2020, so like seven months later, um, COVID had hit and kind of slowed everything down. Um, I would have been like furloughed uh, the summer of 2020. So May to September, um, and then brought back um, as my my boss was preparing for mat leave, and so kind of took on her responsibilities and um, kind of starting to understand what the changing nature of like our brand partnerships is looking like. So until about when I would have left this year, um, I was kind of managing different campaigns, different initiatives that involved artists um, linking up with brands to promote, whether it be like their music or a brand's program, um, but doing that virtually. So attending, whether it's virtual shoots, if we were shooting something in, in Los Angeles, just like being available on call all day, watching those shoots through Zoom and answering any questions, um, or I had like the opportunity, I was really lucky last, I guess it would have been last year, I went to um, Montreal for like a couple of days in the summer just to oversee a shoot over there um, for another partner. So um, yeah, it was really exciting work, but I mean, definitely COVID slowed down a lot of momentum with the live entertainment industry and um, just made it tough for like people to really even grow in their positions because we were unsure of like when things were coming back. I mean, as we're recording this now, um, I know we we're looking forward to like um, everything getting lifted in, in Ontario at least. But um, when March 1st comes, it's still going to be, as like um, as of what I've read for now, it's still going to be 50% limit in capacity for um, concert venues. Outdoor, hopefully, it's going to be fine to go for it. But yeah, it was kind of a, a tough stretch over the last two years with um, just COVID slowing everything down. Yeah, for sure. And um, with the live event industry, especially for concerts and stuff like mm -hmm. that, um, it's um you know COVID. everyone talks about pivoting yeah and i think with this industry it's kind of difficult to pivot because the product there's only kind of one product that could yeah you know produce. exactly yeah um I'm not... yes there were the the zoom concerts that's it but, and that's what i was gonna say yeah but that's that's kind of like watching a music video at home on your that's computer, it that's right? it it's not the same kind of experience yeah I think like definitely everybody tried and, and it for a bit, you know, obviously when we were really locked down and um, couldn't go anywhere except for going for walks and like going to the grocery store, like 
you know, there was definitely a concerted effort around around the world to see what we could do with like Instagram DJs and like, you know, virtual concerts. But at the same time, yeah, the experience of a concert isn't necessarily you watching the, listening to the music from home. You could just put on Spotify and listen to an album that you really like. And, you know, the, the sound quality is always gonna be the same and you're gonna get what you expected. Whereas expecting people to be able to sit in front of their television and watch a show and like, it's not the same ambiance. It's an empty room with you by yourself, maybe or with like a friend or a partner. Um, you're not getting the same energy that you would get from from being in person. And that was something that always drew me to that industry is that energy of like being around the, you know, the sound and the atmosphere of people. Um, so it was, it was tough. Like it was a tough pivot. Mm -hmm. I think like virtual concerts, yeah, they could only do it for so long and, and keep people's interest and, and to find different ways like Fortnite concerts became a thing like who would have thought <laughs> we would have been having concerts and video games but like we had to spice it up there's limitations to how many people could even be in um a space for a production so like they were still filming movies and and things like that but again there was you know restrictions to how close people could be what you could be doing and so taking away all those kind of elements or at least those putting those capacity limitations kind of limited how much you could actually how many people and expertise you could have in a space to put on a production. Um, so yeah, that definitely made it a lot harder for the industry to pivot. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, tough, 100%. Tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately COVID did uh, limit the amount of uh, work you could have done with Live Nation, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you moved on to greater things, I would assume, because <laughs> you are now with TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, mm -hmm. as a project manager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I know a lot of people like I even had family members asking me like, well, if you left like Live Nation and that's live entertainment, then TIFF is like, you know, a big festival. And it's it's supposed to be in person. Like, what's the difference? And I um, one thing that I've noticed and I've, I've learned since now joining TIFF is that there's so much more to the organization than just the annual festival. Um, they do so much year round programming through like the building itself till TIFF Bell Lightbox on on King Street, um, having, you know, five cinemas in there. Um, there's a lot of things that go on year round and like meeting spaces even for like membership meetups. And so um, I think TIFF and like the movie industry and the film industry kind of has an easier transition because already before COVID people were obsessed with Netflix. People were already watching, you know, people were waiting for Disney plus like on, on pins and needles up for it to come to Canada. Like people have no problem sitting at home and watching movies. And so um, TIFF was able to like, you know, make sure that they were still giving their members the same kind of experience by just like, okay, now we have TIFF Bell Lightbox, like digital TIFF Bell Lightbox. You have access as a member to all the movies that you would have had in theater from the comfort of your own home. Um, and that's not an experience that they really had to kind of sell and innovate on the same way music would have and trying to convince people, yeah, watch a concert at home. It's like a similar experience. It's just not, it's not, it doesn't translate the same. Um, so yeah, definitely now at TIFF, um, very much loving it, love the organization, love the, the structure and, and kind of like um, mandate that they have in terms of like bringing film to, to more audiences. And um, yeah, and there is a project manager. It's definitely um, a role that is similar to like a lot of roles that I've had in the past. I mean, I even look at like my time at the, um, at the Hazleton Hotel to be kind of project management 
very like adjacent just because with reservations, like I'm taking the calls from people and asking, you know, getting all their information. Um, and then like, let's say somebody wanted like a specific type of pillow. I'm going to the housekeeping department and I'm asking them to make sure that pillow's in the room. If they want a certain type of wine when they arrive, I'm talking with the concierge team to make sure that's there. If they even want like a, a certain room with a, like a certain view, I'm talking to the front desk to have that done. Like it, it's very much project management oriented in the sense that I'm talking to multiple departments to get the job done. So um, the transition to project manager has been really fun. Um, like an official project management title has been really fun. And um, my role specifically caters to the creative services department. So kind of like our team made up of graphic designers, motion designers, video videographers, video editors, and like our editorial copywriting team. Um, and anything that's public facing um, campaigns or initiatives that have any kind of design element to it comes through our team. Um, so one way my VP de describes it, which I, I'm starting to like really love is that I'm the air traffic controller. And then I get to like, look back on it as like, oh, that kind of, you know, hot selling tourism, at least I kind of, that's a way of looking at it that brings it back to what, you know, I studied, but um, yeah, it's air, it's air traffic controlling in the sense that it's making sure that we actually have the bandwidth to produce the things that are being sent our way. So like I mentioned, there's so much that goes year round, goes on year round at TIFF as opposed to just the festival. The festival, um, everybody's been telling me, picks up soon, picks up soon in the, in the spring for preparing for that. But year round, we have so many um, just different initiatives and programs that go out for the public. And so um, there's always things being produced. There's always like a very strong pipeline of, of requests for our like our creative team. And so um, I was able to come in as a project manager um, and uh, just kind of make sure that we have the right resources and the right bandwidth for all of that. And um, uh, just kind of also making sure that when things and requests come in, they're fully scoped out as opposed to missing pieces that would delay the creative team in terms of um, like them being able to just have the creative process and flow, flow freely or versus like stopping midway at one point because they might not have like the dimensions or the specs for a certain asset. Um, things like that, helping that make like that flow of, um, of work go a lot smoother. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, but it's definitely a learning experience. Yeah, that seems um, so cool. It's such an amazing uh, position. Thank you. And um, I love how at the beginning you said that uh, the project managing aspect of this role, you know, you were prepared for it through your role at the Hazleton with mm -hmm. like the reservation stuff because it just shows the the transferable skills that you That's can it. develop at HTM. That's you know, it, 100%. Even though like the, the minute things that you do in your everyday life or your, or your everyday job can't be transferred in some way to some new role. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's one thing I, I will say about, you know, the program, the hospitality and tourism management program, like, if anything, you come away with transferable skills, like, um, you know, we, we very, we very much have a privilege in like, because it is a, a, a Bachelor of Commerce, you get the basic business background, you get the couple years of finance of accounting of marketing, um, of business management sprinkled here and there. And then we get to like focus in and bring those skills into like the hospitality world. And I didn't think I was gonna get the TIFF job to be honest, like I applied just because I was like, you know what, this work seems interesting. And it's pretty similar to what I'm kind of doing right now with Live Nation, just because everything had gone virtual. So I, I started to work a lot closer with like our creative agencies that worked with our, our brand teams. And so I was seeing a lot more in the editing process and I was seeing a lot more in like, um, you know, the, the production process. Um, so I was getting a little bit more acquainted with like creative process as a whole. Um, but like I was doing project management there in terms of like um, 
seeing a whole campaign through, like, you know, working with our, our promoter teams that would help us book the artists for the campaigns and then working with the artist management to like figure out scheduling and, and you know, working through contracts and then even getting them paid at the end of, you know, a campaign. I was the one that was drawing up like um, what we would call settlements with our, our finance team to make sure like, okay, we had all the proper documentation from the artists, you know, all the bank information, all the wire information was complete so that we could actually pay them through. Um, there was always aspects of like project management in everything I was doing like work-wise um, from the Hazleton on. So it was just kind of like a comfortable mindset for me already. It was just understanding, okay, let me get a little bit more background on like what all of our, our creative teams do. So within design and within copywriting and all that. But other than that, like it feels like things that I've been doing for a while because I kind of got that background from working in hospitality and tourism and just being able to like communicate with different departments that have different responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I think something I'm definitely learning, because um, a lot of my friends are are graduated, mm-hmm. um, is that project management is sort of a skill you like pick up in different industries yeah. and it is very flexible, but it, it's not necessarily like, like I don't take a project management course, you kind of mm-hmm. just do it. And I feel like that's something you kind of get to when you go out of your career is like you're actually like a project manager. Like yeah. this is your role. This is your description. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, like I said, I didn't think I was going to get the TIFF role because when they were like the qualifications for it included like um, PMP. So like the project management professional certification, um, like it said, like not, not needed, but an asset. But like, I think that was one thing I really like emphasized in my interview. Like, obviously, you know, I don't my PMP, but I've worked in a lot of roles where I've done project management style work and um, been a project management project manager on campaigns, on programs, on whatnot. Um, I would even say like, yeah, at the, at the DMZ as well, like, you know, managing that space, it was um, not just dealing with like internal departments, but it was also like, um, I, I oversaw the space at um, the SLC most, the most frequently. So um, it was working with the SLC staff, like making sure like, um, the elevator was unlocked if we were doing programming before the SLC opened on the weekend. Yeah. Um, um, making just sure... for our listeners, SLC is the Student oh, Learning yes. Center. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Russian at, Student lo- Learning yeah, Center. Yeah, located at Young and... Um, is it Gold? Gold? Yeah, Young Gold. Gold. Yeah. Um, with the Basil Box, shout out Basil Box. fed me a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> underneath, if it's still there, across from L Furniture Warehouse. So anyways, so people know exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was like, you know, working with a lot of different teams and like, let's say the president's office wanted to use the space, like, I'm not going to say no. So let's, you know, figure out what we need to get done to actually make that happen. So it was um, constantly kind of just doing project management work throughout my career. It's just like, now it was kind of nice to put like an official title on it, which was something I was hoping to do with Live Nation. But again, with COVID, like there was just no um, end date for it. So it was kind of waiting and seeing when everything was going to pick up for everybody to start like really growing and evolving and and the roles that they were holding during COVID. Um, and that was a waiting game. I was just kind of like tired of playing. So thank you, Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's funny that you keep saying that, oh, you didn't think that you were going to get the Tiff role because like from just me listening to your story, I felt like you were more than qualified. You know, <laughs> you, you took the initiative to learn, you know, the different aspects of like, you know, live event industry, the production side and everything. And um, we're all glad that you actually did apply because, you know, instead of disqualifying yourself, from that role, mm-hmm. you just applied yeah. and let fate take over. That's you know, 
and let them disqualify you or that's it offer you an interview yeah no the worst thing that can happen is i say no and it is what it is right i think yeah, like the worst thing is they'll probably shred your resume <laughs> exactly that's it like that's that's it they'll delete the email that said you know you applied whatever but like i think that's one thing that um i've definitely come away with COVID is like at this point, like whenever everything, I'm, I don't think normal is ever going to be a thing we see, but mm -hmm. like whenever everything goes back mm -hmm. to where we're able to like comfortably live our lives without so many precautions, it's like we lost so much opportunity in the past two, almost three years. Why, like, why take away any more opportunities or why shield yourself from it? Like, you might as well try. The yeah. worst thing you're going to get is no. Um, so I just like, yeah, I didn't really see any kind of like cons to not apply to applying. So I said, okay, let's just, let's try it out. And it worked out in my benefits. So I can't complain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest takeaway here is don't disqualify yourself. Yeah. Don't discredit yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm assuming your role right now is still working from home. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So so our office is open, but I, I'm someone who like loves working from home. Like if I could never <laughs> go back into an office. Oh, I'm like, I'm in your element like right now. Oh, I'm in my element because <laughs> that's my whole thing. Like, it's not that I hate. Well, it is, but it's not that. I don't hate <laughs> being in an office. I just, I, I love the flexibility of working from home. Like you just get so much. I mean, it depends. Like I, I work really well alone. I'm an only child. So I'm just used to being alone a lot of the times. I'm comfortable in that element. Um, I don't get distracted easily if I need to get something done. Like I'm able to focus in a workday nine to five, like focus on work. But it's also just like, you know, being comfortable like even just wearing the pants you want to wear taking the time like for a break if you want to go for a walk around like your street go quickly like to make a lunch like i make i probably put more effort into my lunch than i do in my dinner i'm not gonna lie to you like sometimes i'll even be preparing like i'll be marinating stuff for dinner while i'm making my lunch just because like you don't have to worry about the commute you don't have to worry about like <sighs> yeah i don't know i just i love working from home but um my office is open and i do need to go and i have to go and um, I'm in Ottawa right now, back home for the halt, like long weekend, but um, I think I'm back next week and we have a tour. So it'll be about almost two months since I've started this job. I haven't been in the office, but I said, I'm just going in for the tour. Doesn't mean I'm going to work there all the time, but um, yeah, I, I, I love working from home. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, it may sound redundant, but what does a typical day mm -hmm. at work look for you or at home? Yeah. <laughs> At home, Aside yeah. From marinating your dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Aside from that, very big deal for me, honestly. Um, yeah, no, my work day to day, to be honest, um, like I said, like air traffic controlling. I mean, right now I'm still very much in the learning phase. Like I would have started like end of January, so I'm I'm still very much like um, learning the processes and, and also seeing where I can improve them. But um, once everything starts rolling, very much a, a, a normal day for me would be like. One, I'm very active on Trello. We use Trello, if, if anybody's aware, it's like a project management um, software kind of tool. Um, very active on that, kind of going through what requests are sitting there, what requests um, maybe might be overdue or need a little bit more information. Um, I'm in a lot of meetings, to be honest. I don't hate that though. Um, but um, in a lot of meetings that have to do with like the general running of, of the TIFF, like, um, the building, like the cinema, the production of it, um, and just knowing like, okay, what might be coming our way for us to produce, like what what's coming up, what's coming down the pipe. Um, checking in with the, the creative team, just making sure that they're good with like the like deadlines that are already in place. Um, letting them know about upcoming projects. 
Um, and then like right now, one of my main focuses is not actually like an OKR for myself for this um, first quarter into the next quarter since I started like midway through. It's just like going through processes and making updates. So um, the last time someone would have been in my role would have been pre-COVID um, and they left. And so just with the mess of COVID, they never really got back to hiring someone for it. So um, there's been a lot of like, you know, obviously um, turnover and whatnot and people have changed positions, but not a lot of maintenance to the processes. So that's something that I'm uh, pretty big on right now is just um, making changes to how things get requested, how things get done, how things get signed off on so that we have like a smooth flowing system once things pick up around the festival time. Wow. I love that. I mean, I could talk to you for hours, to be honest. <laughs> In fact, I actually might need to follow up with you. Yeah, I have please. A, I have an interview to do for a class. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we are winding down to, I guess, the end of our episode. And we typically do a little activity. I think Andy's preamble about this activity is so much better. Oh, yeah. A little, like, rapid fire this or that. So then Ooh. Chantel... Yeah, so then Chantal will just name two things, okay. and you just say the first one that pops in your head that Ooh, you like. Oh, I like that, because I don't think, yeah. I'm not the, yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay, here we go. So, first question, hotel or Airbnb? Hotel. I'm, I'm old <gasps> school for that, hotel. Your roots, working at the Hazels Inn, of course. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I know what a hotel can provide, like, Airbnbs are beautiful, don't get me wrong, like, sometimes it can be really, like, top notch but i don't know the hotel like experience is just it's oh i'm beautiful. with you there yeah i yeah. love the hotels hotels <laughs> okay dine-in or takeout dine-in of course coffee yeah. or tea it's marinating in the fridge right now come on yeah <laughs> no dine-in honestly because i i really do like to like show my appreciation for for people who are working in the mm -hmm. restaurants like i could never do it it's not something that i have even close to the capacity for like mentally i just couldn't put up with anybody being rude like i would probably do something with their food i'm not gonna lie um so i kept myself away from that but i think like it, it takes so much to do that and i just like to be able to show my gratitude um in person not to say you can't do it with takeout but i do really appreciate every step of the way yeah yeah okay coffee or tea tea because i can't drink coffee i get too <laughs> hyper no it's bad i don't drink coffee music music or podcast music <laughs> podcast <laughs> with music i'm sorry that's okay um are you a morning bird or a night owl night owl yeah do you prefer city lights or the countryside <laughs> City. If you can see where I am right now, when I'm back home in Ottawa, it's like there's like farms behind me. There's literally a cow. There's like a a oh full God. milk, a dairy farm. Like I could walk to it in five minutes. It's wow. Yeah, not for me. So that's, that's why I moved to Toronto. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, <laughs> do you prefer a night in or a night out? Pre-COVID, I would have said night out. Now, post-COVID or whatever COVID phase we're in, night in, hundred percent, hundred percent night in. Okay. And my last question might be kind of controversial. Ooh. Ottawa or Toronto? Ooh, can I say neither? <laughs> where would you where would you pick? Vancouver. I'm obsessed. <gasps> I was out there last summer. I'm I'm trying oh, to go you back just next that summer. Chantel's heartstrings. Yeah, no, I'm obsessed. Like the West Coast does something to your soul, hundred yeah. percent. Like I can't say I disagree yeah. being from the West Coast. Oh, so. are you actually? Yeah, I'm I'm actually from Vancouver. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, um, what area? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Do you know where Richmond is? 
kind of it's like south right yes um, it's south okay. i basically live right above there so i'm still in vancouver cool but i'm like five minutes and i'm across the bridge nice yeah, yeah no i was staying in um mount pleasant so like Maine. oh like, yeah that yeah area, but yeah, yeah. I, I love vancouver so i would say i honestly would say neither sorry <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay <laughs> all right so uh where do you see yourself in five years time Woo, that's more controversial than anything oh. else, I would say. <laughs> Honestly, I'm you know what? This this might sound insane to say, but I really don't not that I don't see myself anywhere. I just think I've like the idea of a five-year plan is like almost obsolete to me now, just because of COVID. Like it, mm -hmm. it yeah. threw rent. Like I'm gonna be four years, like this June would be four years since I graduated from um the hospitality and tourism program. So um, who I wouldn't have said that in five years. I would have lived through a global pandemic. So mm -hmm. I think now I, it's, I look at more as like taking, you know, every, every day, one day at a time, um, taking advantage of any opportunity that comes your way is another thing that I've just like lived my life by now. Um, but I definitely don't, I can't say I have, I can't sit here and say I have a plan for five years at all. No. Fair. And that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's totally all right. And yeah. finally, what is uh, one piece of advice you would give to anyone studying hospitality right now? I think I might know the answer to this already from our Do conversation. You? Oh, get um, involved. <laughs> get involved is good. But I mean, I, I know people like sometimes people are really very introverted, very shy. It's it's mm -hmm. it's tough to do. Um, I would say even if you don't want to get involved or if don't feel comfortable getting involved, like attend those events, attend the events that other students are putting on. Like my best advice would be like ask questions about like careers or jobs you're interested in now like find people whether it's through linkedin whether it's through your professors take advantage of like zoom take advantage of google meet and like set ask them for 15 20 minutes of their time for like a quick chat just being invested in what they do and learning about what they want to do it's it doesn't mean you have to be networking for a job it's really just like you wanting to know the ins and outs of their role and what they like about it because that might help you make a decision on whether you want to pursue that or not so mm -hmm. that would be my best advice right now Awesome. And there you have it. Well, thank you so much, Sandra, for thank your time. Thank you both. Honestly, um, this is you fun. Know, um, I started Ryerson in 2016. Mm -hmm. So our, our crops have passed yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, our time at Ryerson. And I remember just seeing you in the halls and that, you know, you, you Was doing, doing you know, something really thing. dumb. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I get like, you know, like your name really popped up. Yeah, I see your face everywhere because you were Ugh. so involved. And that, all, all I remember thinking is that like you had your stuff together, you know, oh. like you had a goal, you had a path, <laughs> you know, you were doing it. And, um, you know, and it's nice to hear that like you had a goal to work for Live Nation and you did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, now yes. you're in the world of live events and the production side, which is, you know, what you um, the reason why you started hospitality mm -hmm. as well. So it's nice to see that you're thriving. Thank um, you. And you deserve all the success that you have coming your Aww, way. Oh, thank you, Andy. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you yeah. both. Yeah, no, a pleasure. Yeah. So um, Sandra's information is on the screen. You can follow her on LinkedIn or you can follow her on TIFF, see any new projects that are coming out. And it's just a reminder that uh, you can follow uh, RHAA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at RHAA Ryerson, or you can follow us on ins Instagram. Wow, I just said that. You can follow us on LinkedIn or YouTube, and it's just our full name spelled out. We're going to yeah. make work for it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like, click, and subscribe, as like, they say click on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> You're doing a better job than me at this. No, no, please. You guys are carrying it. No, you, this, is, this is great. You guys keep up the great work, and um, yeah, this is fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Sandra. No problem. All right. Bye, guys.